This is a podcast made by Kapitalet on behalf of Swedish House of Finance, Sweden's national research center in financial economics. The guests in this episode participated in the conference Women in Finance Talk. To learn more and find recordings of presentations and interviews, go to the website houseoffinance.se. My name is Gunnar Harjus. And I'm Jacob Bursell. Okay, so normally we do a podcast on sort of economics called Kapitalet and... I would say one of the nicest things about doing that podcast and this podcast is you get sort of glimpses into worlds that you would otherwise never get to visit. Yeah, which is, I would say, is one of the biggest perks of being a journalist in the first place. For sure. And today I'm offering you some insight into a very special world. (laughs) The world of the rich. I know you're not rich. (laughs) Neither are you. (laughs) So uh, how are we going to get this insight? Through... This person. My research is in financial advice, investment advice to wealthy individuals. This is not really an insight into being rich, more of an insight into what advice you can get uh, if you're happy to be rich. Sure. I suppose that is a part of being rich, though, getting advice. But uh, yeah, anyway, yeah. Okay, this might be a rude question, but uh, why are we getting this insight? Um, Why is this important to know? Well, to understand why this might be important to know, I think we might have to know a bit more about the person who just presented her uh, research. Great. And who is that? That is Dr. Ylva Bäckström. I'm a lecturer in finance and a researcher in finance at King's College Business School. Ylva has one of the most extensive and confusing resumes I've ever read. Am I on my fourth or fifth career? I get confused myself. But once you sort of get things straight about her resume, I think you understand her research a bit better. Um, I started off as a banker, then I was working in financial services and banks in London um, for over 15 years. And whilst in banking, um, I studied to become a psychotherapist, a relationship psychotherapist. Wait, she became a psychotherapist on on the side? Yeah, like as a side job, pretty much. A side hustle. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, To make matters even more complicated, the whole (laughs) banking thing that she did as like her main business for a while that made her feel understimulated sort of intellectually uh, and then she decided uh, she needed to get a phd oh you got to do something yeah you got something to do exactly uh, so what she decided to do was to combine these two fields like finance and psychotherapy mm. uh, it must have gone pretty well i suppose because she ended up in academia uh, pretty straightforward stuff Uh, except she started her own fintech company whilst getting her PhD. Mm, Of course she did. Of course she did, yeah. Uh, She then left that company to finish her PhD. Let's just skip the fintech uh, thing. Yeah, Um, There's not enough time to to cover (laughs) Ylva's entire resume. No. But now she's a researcher at the King's College Business School. Yeah. And and more precisely, what does she want to do? I mean, what is her research about? People always said to me that it was crazy. Why was I a therapist and a banker? And I explained to them that, well, everything in life has to do with relationships and the relationship we have with people is how we succeed in business. So I thought I'll do a PhD to evidence that, really. Okay, but how does she get from there to the fancy rich man's advisor world you (laughs) told me about before? Well, uh, during one of her careers, the one in banking, uh, she noticed something. The bank that she worked for, they uh, weren't very good at giving financial advice to women. They didn't sell well to women, to female investors. And you know what? She's not alone in realizing this in the world of finance. For a couple of years, I headed um, private banking, uh, the family office department, which is, I mean, the, the 
the most wealthy clients at SEB. SEB, we should probably say, is a big Swedish bank. Uh, and the person who used to run its private banking section is Anne Grivelius. Uh, today, she's a board member at Opti, which is sort of a robot financial advisor uh, service. But now we're talking about her days in banking. Sure. Uh, so she noticed the same thing as Ulva Beckström did. Women were treated differently and she sort of knew why just looking around. Of 20 uh, financial advisors, uh, the bankers, uh, I think 19 was men. Mm. Uh, and I couldn't understand why. Then I also started to ask uh, clients and new clients, prospects, uh, if they would prefer a male or a female advisor. Mm-hmm. And uh, most of them actually said they would prefer uh, a woman. So Anne's solution to this was rather simple. She started hiring women. <laughs> Oh, it's a good starting point. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. I started hiring uh, female bankers instead. So, uh, and uh, I, I think that we are MPS when we kind of measure, you know, how satisfied the clients are. I mean, it, but it skyrocketed. So they both identify the same problem. Yeah. Um, and uh, her solution was to hire more women. What did Ilva do? I wanted to go and look at the way that advisors judge equivalent male and female investors to see whether there was a difference in the judgments that they made about their clients depending on their gender. Which of course is a way to sort of investigate the relations between these people. Like how are the relations between male investors and their advisors different from the relationship of a female investor to her advisor? Sorry, on a side note, exactly how rich uh, people are we talking about here? Okay, so Ulva did a study of people who were millionaires in British pounds, like rich for real. And then her question is, is there a difference in how the advisors see their female and male investors? Yeah. And why is this important? Okay, so in a way, obviously it's not. Like, (laughs) so in Ulva's words, a lot of these people have so much money that doesn't really matter what they invest in. But in another aspect, it's very interesting. Like what millionaires do end up investing in has a big impact on like a social and financial scale. And Ulva found that pretty much no other research had looked at millionaires and what advice they got into investing. But there had been research uh, conducted uh, into other groups of people? Yeah. And what they could see was that women took less risk. They felt that they knew less about investing than men and they had less confidence in investing. All right. So this thing that Ulva is doing, how do you actually do this? Okay, so she did these surveys where she asked the advisors a bunch of questions about a sort of made-up client, a fictitious client. And these fictitious clients were, she calls them pen portraits of plausible millionaire clients (laughs) that these advisors could have. Okay, so she calls them pen portraits or... Vignettes. The vignettes are like pen portraits of investor. So I described, so I designed ten pen portraits, um, and in vignette one would perhaps talk about a female fund manager who had a net worth of seven million pounds, who was forty-five years old and who had one child in private school and was divorced, mm-hmm. and had previous experience of investing in bonds. Let's say. Mm. Then. Vignette 2 was a man. Okay, so two pen portraits for 
two different people here. Okay, I got it. But because these are two different people with different backstories and different needs, they should probably get different advice. And yep. the advisors should probably presume different things about their skills and so forth. Mm-hmm. So how did she know if they're getting a different treatment based on their gender? An excellent question that Ilva Bäckström has an excellent answer for. <laughs> What she did was she did two surveys. Uh, and she took these vignettes, these pen portraits, and she gave them to groups of people and only changed one thing. So they could have like a pen portrait with like the same income, the same wealth, the same number of kids, like same marital status, like they're divorced or whatever. But that female fund manager that Ilva spoke about, that's now a male fund manager. Mm. Very clever and very interesting. Yeah. What, and what what did she find? Well, perhaps not the most encouraging results. <laughs> Regardless of the gender of the advisor, they judged female investors to have less control over their investments than men did. Mm. Then I find that if the advisor is female, she's likely to recommend a lower risk portfolio to the female client, not to the male client, and attribute lower knowledge of the female, not the male client. And overall, all is not statistically significant, women who were clients were given the lowest ratings on knowledge, control and portfolio recommendations by female advisors. And the highest ratings were given by male advisors to male clients. So women are seen as having less control and knowing less about their finances. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, there, there's got to be implications of this. I mean, what does Surely. this lead to? Well, if women are recommended to invest in lower risk portfolios than men are, then the performance of their investments will be lower. So that's a real problem. Mm. Possibly could be a real problem. The other problem is that if both men and women judge women female investors to have less control over their investments but still recommend them to invest in higher risk portfolios then are they taking advantage of the fact that they might be more dependent on their advice okay so what ilva did after that was she looked at the advisors what do they think about their own competence knowledge and risk tolerance And what she found was that the female advisors thought less of themselves. They thought they were less risk tolerant and less knowledgeable. So pretty much the same thing there. Yeah, and the thing is, these preconceptions about what you can do as an advisor, it spills over to the actual advice that you give. Advisors tend to mirror themselves onto the client. So um, the reason I find that the female advisors have a higher tendency to make lower risk recommendations to women, for example, has got to do with the fact that they themselves have a lower risk tolerance. But of course, what's right for me to invest in is not right for my clients to invest in. It's it's not the same thing. Advisors should be judging what the investment needs of the client in front of them, not based on themselves. That last thing, by the way, that you have to treat an investor as a unique case That's something that Angrivelius also says that the big banks has been really bad at. 
yeah, I think they should absolutely focus more on female clients. You have to meet the female uh, clients on their terms. And, uh, and you, I think you have to really start earning their trust. And that's for everyone. The ones that will succeed is the ones that truly understand the clients. And then we have to realize and adapt to there is a difference between female and male clients. Although you shouldn't advise women to take less risks just because they're women. Of, of course not. I don't think that was what she meant. All right, but still, that's exactly what they, they do. They do advise women to take smaller risks just because they're women. Yeah. You know, I'm going to go out on the limb here and say that uh, that's a problem. I'm with you. So what can we do? Well, uh, this isn't something that's going to change sort of overnight, obviously. There's no magical cure for this. But Ilva Beckstrom thinks that you have to start by looking at recruitment. What I would like to change about the industry is to encourage more women to enter into financial advising. In the UK today, only between 10 and 20% of advisors are female. And as a gross underrepresentation of women in that market. And it's a nice career for a woman, and it's not, a, it's not a career that women should be sort of held back from or discouraged from entering or feel like it's not for them. It's a male-dominated environment, but it's a great career. So that's one of the things that I would do. Another thing that I would do is to help advisors become more aware of their own biases and themselves, their own motivations. For example, if we do have a problem whereby there is a lower confidence and knowledge among, amongst female compared to male advisors, then we need to address that. Because that is, that is possibly just a perception, a self-perception. I mean, this... Obviously sounds very reasonable, but still pretty difficult. I mean, to simply make people aware of their biases, that's super hard, because otherwise there wouldn't be so many biases. <laughs> of course, yeah. But once again, Ylva has a solution, or at least a suggestion. One of the things that really works is reverse messaging. Mm -hmm. And that's why I believe that making people aware of how good their credentials are and what their performance is like will help them because then you give them the reverse messaging in terms of this is your performance, this is what you think. Can we now adjust the way that you think about yourself? So it's almost like you you help, it's the same as I do in therapy where I help people recreate their experiences in childhood. So it's almost like um, it sits in your stomach, I think, your internalized feelings about who you are and your internal security about yourself. And if you didn't learn that as a child, you walk around and you have an insecure and attachment to people around you, and you have this feeling in your gut that you don't feel secure. But if you go out and practice and you learn that you can be secure inside yourself, it's almost like you're trying to recreate something and you can do that through therapy, you will then create a more secure base inside yourself. Mm. And I think that's the same as possible in the profession. Just so I don't get this wrong, Ylva uh, Beckström, who used to work in banking, uh, then became a psychotherapist and then a researcher. Mm -hmm. Her research suggests that bankers basically should get a therapist. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes and no, I suppose. but. She did say that the relationship between a financial advisor and a client is sort of like 
the one between a patient and a therapist. You sort of have to handle and manage risk and hold someone's hand, but no one's holding the hand of the advisor. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I think that will uh, make a good end to this episode. Uh, This podcast episode has been uh, produced by Capitalet, a Swedish uh, business podcast, uh, on behalf of Swedish House of Finance. Uh, To learn more about their research and upcoming seminars and events, please visit houseoffinance.se. Thanks so much for listening. Bye.